welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is chris grenzi from toro group welcome chris hey thanks for having me thanks for being on the show a little bit about chris chris started his real estate investing journey in jan of 2016 by trying to flip houses on long island new york but failed to flip a single house despite spending tens of thousands of dollars and several months trying chris and his team tried pivoting to purchasing tax deed properties in philadelphia but quickly realized it wasn't for them from there chris started to learn about multifamily and started by investing passively in an eight unit property then joined venturing on another 100 units worth over 4.5 million from there chris quit his full time job in finance and joined toro real estate partners full time in august 2016 toro has acquired roughly 4000 units worth around 285 million and chris runs their florida operations totaling 1000 plus units worth 60 million with that chris would you like to add anything to your background No, I think that's a, a pretty good summary. Sure. You are an asset manager for the Toro Group. Like what is your role and how is your day look like? Yeah, so, you know, my title is asset manager, but I help out in a lot of other things as well, but you know, the meat and potatoes of it is asset management and acquisitions with a focus on the Florida region of our portfolio. So, we're mainly focused in a few markets in Florida and then a few markets in the Midwest. So, I help out with asset management across the board, but the focus is definitely on the Florida side and and because I handle most of the asset management there I also have a lot of market knowledge deal knowledge etc that allows me to basically lead the acquisition side as well so I'm only mostly only do the acquisitions and dispositions down in Florida and do asset management kind of across the portfolio you know my day to day right now is a little different we're looking for deals but we're fairly cautious right now due to covid so it's not as many hours as it was pre covid I would probably spend I would say on average 10 plus hours a week on acquisitions if not more and now it's very few there's just not a lot of deal flow and not a lot of things that make sense to us right now so it's mostly focused on asset management and a lot of our deals that were heavier lifting have kind of gotten through that phase and it's just finishing out interior renovations so things are fairly status quo pending some minor things with covid right now obviously in march april may it was a lot more hectic spending a lot more time just trying to figure out what's going on are we going to have crazy economic vacancies things like that which fortunately didn't happen now things have kind of somewhat normalized okay great and thanks for sharing that so your group is like vertically integrated or your third party managing our properties yeah we currently use third party management one of the reasons we decided to tailor our markets to two clusters about 24 to 30 months ago was to build up scale in two areas and have the opportunity to bring property management in house if we wanted currently we're not quite there with enough units and enough scale that i think we could realistically do so so we're we haven't really had that conversation and ultimately we may decide not to we may just decide to keep our business model as third party but we do want to get to a position that if we want to vertically integrate in that regard we can got it and what is your process for selecting property management company 
Yeah. So one of the other reasons we chose those two areas was we had two very high quality regional management companies that we really enjoyed working with. They were fairly newer companies, five to 10 years old. They were owners who had worked for much larger companies overseeing tens of thousands of units and had started their own companies. And we had done one or two projects with each and had just gotten on very well, had really good synergies. The projects went well, saw things very similarly and had some other, what's the right word I'm looking for? I'll say less synergies with some other management companies. And we decided that, hey, we need to start focusing more on a couple units. And not only did we like the markets we've chosen, we also really enjoy working with the managers in those areas as well. So we chose them for a couple reasons. Their size, you know, we are their largest group, if not, you know, one of the largest, but we're not so large that we're their only client. They have good scale, but they're not so large that we can't talk to, you know, the owners or the higher ups that we feel like we're, you know, we're just a a number on a sheet of paper. Um, But they also do a really good job and, you know, really care about the properties. So that's kind of why we chose who we went with. Okay. And what is our communication process with them? So our bases, we talk every two weeks with the owner, the regional, and whoever is on site for the property at the time. Get weekly reports for them, monthly financials, monthly reports, but it's also on an as-needed basis. So some weeks on the phone with them every day, and then sometimes it's, you know, I don't talk to them for two weeks. So it really depends on what's going on at the current time. And uh, what kind of KPIs you track in those meetings and what exactly we'll discuss in those meetings? Yeah, so you know, the basic ones, we always look at occupancy, pre-leased, our traffic for new leases. We look at our work orders. So we want to know, are we having a lot of things breaking and needing to be repaired? We'll be tracking our income every week to see how our collections are going. We'll be tracking our expenses every week to see how it stacks up against our budget. We will be doing rent comps every two weeks on those weekly reports, excuse me, bi-weekly. What else do we look at? You know, we're, we want to know most of our deals, we're doing unit upgrades. So we want to know how those things are progressing. What else are we looking at? You know, eviction rate, bad debt rate, concessions. Those are some of the big ones. And then again, depending upon the property, when we jump on those calls, we may talk about different things. So for the past six months, you know, one of the main things we've been focused on is our collection rate with COVID and higher unemployment and unemployment money, stimulus money. You know, I would say every single call for the past six, seven months, we have talked about that in some capacity. Cool. And what kind of software they will use? Yeah. So one of our managers uses the property management software, Resmin. The other one uses RealPage. Both work really good. They both have their systems for doing the weekly updates, but it's basically a Excel template with information that gets put in and it generates a email report that gets sent to us. So not anything crazy sophisticated. Okay, cool. So what are your typical challenges and how do you address those challenges? What are our typical challenges? You know, I think the challenge that everybody deals with is what especially with older properties. We buy C and B assets. They're typically built between 1960 and the late 80s, and they are going through some sort of capital plan, value add plan. And the conversation we're always constantly having is what work do we do versus what work needs to be done? What level of upgrades do we do for the unit interiors? What rents do we charge? How many units do we look to turn over to upgrade? Um, So that's a battle we're constantly going back and forth on because if you try to renovate quicker, you need to vacate more units. You have to 
drop occupancy. So you can only do things so quick and maintain a certain level of occupancy. Furthermore, the more work you're doing around the property, the longer it's going to take you to get to your pro forma rents because people may want to have the amenities or have the better curb appeal or certain things around the exterior or clean up the tenant base. So we really need to, we're constantly analyzing what's going on at the property. What business plan do we think is going to be the most effective? Do we need to change our business plan because something happened that it's not working or we think we can do it better? So those are the biggest things that we are consistently looking at on a you know daily, weekly, monthly basis. Awesome. Awesome. So how your communication has changed before COVID versus now? The big one is for us at Toro, we're working from home. So before COVID, it was a lot of in-person stuff. You know, just as things come up, you talk about it. You talk about it at lunch, you talk about it in the office, you grab somebody when they're not on the phone. Everybody working from home, you have to be much more intentional about when you talk to somebody, it's picking up the phone and calling them or jumping on Zoom or sharing a document. You can't just, excuse me, grab someone and pull them over to your desk. Luckily for us, one of the things we implemented probably about six months before COVID was task management software. Uh, So we use software called monday.com and it really allowed us to stay on top of things, track projects, um, stay on top of tasks, assign tasks, own different things that need to be done so we know exactly who's taking care of it. And then when we transitioned to working from home, we had already had those systems in place up and going, which made it significantly easier. We didn't have to figure it out as we go once we were all already working from home. So luckily for us, that was something we started doing you know, right beforehand, which helped a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Good to know that. So would you like to share any best and worst experiences with asset management? Trying to think. I would say one of the worst would be uh, we bought a deal about, what was it now? A year and a half ago down in Jacksonville, Florida. And when we purchased the property, there was a termite bond on it. So we didn't get a termite inspection done because when you have a bond, basically it's supposed to take care of any problems. You pay them X amount of money so that if the problem comes up, they fix it. What we didn't realize at the time was that a certain type of termite that we had never encountered before was not included in that bond. And that certain termite only appears about two to three months out of the year. And then they either die or hibernate. I don't really know how that works. And it was only during early summer months that it appears. So we did our due diligence in the winter. We closed in the spring and after a couple months, we started hitting those summer months and we started seeing evidence of termites. And what ended up happening was the seller and the bond company basically pointed fingers at each other. We couldn't get a good idea of who was actually at fault. Um, we had to fumigate five of the nine buildings. Uh, it cost us about $120,000 to fumigate the buildings, fix some termite damage, put tenants up for a few days while we you know, sealed the buildings to fumigate. And you know, ultimately it was something we didn't catch. Also cost us a little bit of occupancy. Luckily, you know, it was a $26 million property. So $100,000 didn't really kill the deal. It definitely wasn't good, but it was something we missed because it was just something we had never encountered before. And our property manager down in Florida, it, it was in Jacksonville, Florida. She's born and raised in Jacksonville. She's managed there for 10 plus years and she had never heard of it before. So, you know, hindsight being 2020, obviously would do it differently. And now knowing that we're going to do termite inspections no matter what, but I don't think it's something that ultimately we should have known beforehand because I don't know how we could have. So that was probably the worst. I mean, the best is really just when deals kind of go according to plan or better. So they're not really as exciting to talk about. You know, one of the deals we just bought, we started renovating units and we got $40 more than we were anticipating. So we were going to push rent about $150 over our base rent. And a lot of our base rents were $50 over in place. So we were pushing basically 200 bucks over in place. And 
we got an extra $40 on top of that. And then we just had a conversation today that, you know, we're 98% occupied, basically have a waiting list for upgraded units. So we're probably going to raise rents again. So that's always nice to see when you have a project that has the returns and results you're looking for, you know, very quickly do better than you had anticipated. Cool. And thanks for sharing Western best experiences. Yeah. And what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now? I mean, our current focus right now is just mostly asset management and trying to do the best we can because of a lot of things going on. Some supply chains are messed up. So right now it's a little hard to get appliances. It's a little hard to get cabinets in some places. God forbid we have to do anything with lumber. Lumber costs are through the roof. Some labor costs in some areas are more expensive than they were. So you know, we'll see how this shutdown COVID continues to impact things. So that's kind of our focus right now is making sure we can continue to renovate units at the pace that we need, get capital projects done, at the pace that we need, you know, a lot of things got delayed over the last six, seven months. Another thing I'm focused on is just personally, I'm buying a 16 unit down in Jacksonville, Florida, just for for myself. So I'm going to head down there in like a week or two just to do my due diligence, my inspections, things like that. So I'm really looking forward to that in the next two months. Surely you'll be doing thermite inspection. Yes, I will definitely be doing a termite inspection. Considering uh, the deal we bought, I believe was masonry construction, uh, and this is wood frame construction, I'll definitely be doing a termite inspection. Okay, cool. And one advice that impacted you, Chris? One advice that impacted me? That's a good question. I don't know if it was specific advice, but it was more of just the idea of kind of looking at big projects and breaking it down into into smaller manageable chunks and focusing on those small steps, getting it done every single day or every week will eventually lead to that bigger project or idea getting done in the timeframe you want. And that really helped me because I have a tendency to procrastinate if I look at a bigger picture. When I was in school, if I had an essay done or a project to be done, you know, I was doing it at 2 a.m. the night before. And that is something that's not healthy or sustainable, especially out of school because school, I think you can kind of get away with it a little bit. So for me, learning about that process of taking a, a big project that might take you six months, 12 months and breaking it down into daily, weekly, monthly goals and creating those KPIs, those metrics and those tasks to get you to that end goal. That was, was and is still super impactful for me. Yeah, that's great advice. And any of your personal habits that help to be successful? Yeah, one thing I've been trying to do, and I don't always do it, and I try to do it more and more. It's tr- it's a habit I'm trying to build is uh, time blocking. So the night before the morning of taking 10, 15 minutes and sitting down and time blocking my day for certain things so that I have, you know, it's the same process, just kind of even a little bit more granular of what I was talking about of, hey, from you know, eight to nine o'clock, I'm going to read my email, check social media, check, you know, any text messages I have, phone calls, voicemails, whatever it is, you know, Slack channel, you know, our task management software, and just make sure I'm up to date on any communication that I have, you know, then from nine to 11, I'm going to do something for asset management. And then 11 to 12, I'm going to do you know, phone calls or whatever. So doing that has been something that has made me much more successful in the last year. And especially working from home, it's made me incredibly more accountable to myself and others. Good. So any one book that impacted your life and what way? 
mean, there's there's a lot of people. I mean, I could do you know a whole episode on people, but I think the biggest one is both of my parents. And the reason being is they both have been incredibly successful in their own endeavors. My dad started a business and eventually exited. My mom helped as well. And then he eventually retired. My mom went back to teaching and eventually scaled up to assistant superintendent for either the largest or the second largest school district on Long Island. You know, she did personnel and was running payroll for, I think, in excess of $100 million, which is equivalent to a Fortune 500 company. So when you put it in that perspective, it's pretty crazy. And the one thing that I learned from them that I think feels so second nature to me, but I've realized in the last two years is not to most people is the, I guess the the lifestyle of living below your means. Basically, if you make $100,000, you don't live a $100,000 lifestyle, you live a $50,000 lifestyle or 60 or 80, whatever it is, because that's how you save. That's how you invest. That's how you get to financial independence, financial freedom. And I see their life today at 60 and 67 and even the past five, 10 years compared to other people in my family, their friends, other people their age, and they are just significantly more comfortable. They're significantly more free where they don't have the same worries about money that a lot of other people do. Now, they still have worries, right? You still can't just because you save up a few million bucks, let's say, doesn't mean you can just go buy a yacht or take this crazy trip, you still have certain things you can and can't do. But just the day-to-day things, it's really crazy to see. And it's something that's been super impactful for me. And it's you know one of the reasons I'm able to go buy a you know, 16 unit property down in Florida by myself with, you know, a couple other people. But that's really, I think, been the biggest impact on my life to date. Sure. So how are you giving back to community? So we we're doing a free meetup out of our own pocket until COVID hit. So we did that for about three and a half years where we would just host a, you know, an event, have anywhere from 20 to 50 people come and just kind of have some sort of theme. So it would be flipping, wholesaling, multifamily, mobile homes, how to pick a market, how to underwrite a deal, how to talk to brokers, so many different things. And then would also do a networking session. And we just kind of did it on our own dime because we would go to so many meetups where somebody would be selling a course or it was hosted by a title company or you know someone trying to get your service. And we just hated that. So we always wanted that meetup where you didn't feel like you were pressured to buy something from someone and we never sold anything. And I still don't really sell anything. The only thing people kind of come to us for is if they want to invest in deals, but that was never the purpose of it. And then when COVID hit on, you know, we kind of just stopped doing it. We didn't really feel like going the virtual route. The other part, you know, I try to do a ton with social media to help educate people for free as best I can. You know, webinars, we have our own podcast coming on podcasts like this, just to try to share my experiences, my knowledge, my insights, my opinions, because I think it's a great way to try to help someone and impact somebody else. So those are really the main ways I'm doing it right now. Cool. And how can listeners can connect with you? Yeah. So a couple ways. I actually just joined a really cool text platform. It's called Community. So people can actually just text me. So if you want to do that, you can just go into your texting app and text me at 631-212-0062. I don't see your phone number ever. It's just a platform. So it's not like I'm going to start calling you in the middle of the night, but it's basically just like texting someone else. So if you have any questions or want to link up, feel free to do that. But if you want to follow me or get in touch with me another way on basically every social media platform, you can just search Chris Grenzig or, you know, Instagram is at Chris.Grenzig, G-R-E-N-Z-I-G. We have our own podcast. It's called The Real Estate Investing Experience. You can find it on every platform by searching that or you can go to the R-E-I-E-X-P.com. Cool. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info 
at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.